Hidden Gems, Episode Zero, All About Us. Welcome to Hidden Gems, a board game podcast where we review unusual, forgotten, and underappreciated board games. We're your hosts. My name is Chris. I'm Jason. And I'm Cameron. Thanks for listening to our show. So, before we begin, how does everybody feel? It's pretty exciting, right? I'm excited, and I'm wondering how long it's going to take for me to get used to having this microphone in my face. Yeah. It, it is a weird, surreal feeling, for sure, after listening to a podcast for so long and doing one. It's it's going to take a little getting used to, but I'm excited. Yeah. It is definitely strange. I think I'm I'm going to have to adjust to hearing my own voice in recordings. <laughs> oh, I think yeah. that's going to be the, the hardest thing I'm just glad that we me. worked out the microphone that placement. That beautiful baritone voice. Yeah. I'm just I'm so glad we we worked out the the microphone places so we can actually like make eye contact. Exactly. It's, it feels nice. Yeah, during our testing session I was joking with Jason that he reminded me of Wilson from Home Improvement because I could just just like see yeah. his eyes and I was like I cannot work like this. Yeah. If I cannot see at least Two thirds of your face is just a little bit bizarre. You'll never know what I'm thinking. That's exactly right. I don't know what you're thinking, anyways. Yeah. Most of the time. Okay, so so before we get started, we want to make a disclaimer. We won't actually be reviewing any games in this episode. However, we have already released episode one, where we'll be reviewing our first triad of games. Yep, it's got some really fun stuff lined up for you on that in that episode. So if you want, go ahead and charge ahead to, to episode one. Don't feel like you have to listen to this one. However, if you want to hear more about why we're making this podcast, who we are, mm-hmm. how we got into gaming, what our families are like, kind of more about us as your hosts, we invite you to listen to this episode because yep. it should be a lot of fun. That's what this is for. So, Chris, you're kind of the, the what we've been calling you like the founder of the epi- of the podcast. <laughs> I consider us all founders, but I, yeah. I appreciate you. Saying but that, you're yeah. you've been the guy over the years that has gotten us together, and you kind of came up with the idea of like, hey, maybe we should make a podcast. Well, I'm sure people will hear about the the size and magnitude of your game collection <laughs> later on. But but you're the guy that gets everybody together in our gaming community and. So kind of you're the you're the point person for the podcast. So I, I kind of want to direct the first question to you. Why would you say we're starting this podcast? For sure, yeah. So obviously we're blessed with a really large game group. So I would say if everybody actually showed up, which never happens, but if it were to happen, we would probably have 30 to 35 guys here on any given night. We have a really large circle of guys who are really interested in board games And I think what is unique about our group, especially about the guys that are in here in particular, which is why I wanted you to join me on this podcast journey, and not just because y'all are some of my best friends, but also because you guys like to talk about games. It's not uncommon at all for us to have really long discussions about board games after we play them, kind of like the post-game breakdown. We actually had one just a couple of nights ago on a game that we're going to review on here in a few episodes, but we do that often, yeah. right? So we have guys um, in our group that like to talk about games. That doesn't necessarily mean that we should make a podcast, though. And I think we should make it clear that there are a lot of podcasts available to listen on board games, many. So I've right. been in the hobby f- since about 2012. I consume a lot of board game media, and there are a bunch of podcasts. However, There aren't a lot of podcasts. Actually, I can't even really think of one that does what we're going to do, and that's looking at board games that are a little bit more under the radar and underappreciated or just kind of got missed. There are lots of board game podcasts that talk about Terraforming Mars, that talk about Gloomhaven, that talk about Azul, 
and all those are great games. And this is another yeah, thing I want to make. Fantastic games, awesome games. I mean, we love them. We've invested. I don't know how many hours in Gloomhaven. I mean, we have a Gloomhaven campaign that uh, you, me, and Brandon are playing, and like it's they're incredible games. There's mm-hmm. a reason that they have the reputation that they have, right? Yep. So it's this. I think my take on on why we're doing a podcast is not so much that we have something to offer about games that everyone loves already. No one needs to hear us talk about those games, but when you started talking about this podcast, like it was okay. There's, there's a lot of games out there that maybe people aren't talking about and maybe they're not even playing. Mm -hmm. And that was a concern. It seemed like that you wanted to address. Definitely. So, so what, what would you say this podcast is about? Yeah, for sure. So, and, and before I answer that question, just because this is something I was a little bit worried about with this podcast is I didn't want this podcast to come across as like, the hipsters board game podcast, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, you play terraforming Mars like everybody else, you know, yeah. like we think those are good it's games. Like, we love those games and we, <laughs> they're great. They hit our table often. Yeah. Best us, we're not cool enough to be. Hipsters. <laughs> we're, we're not. <laughs> yeah. So what we want to do is, so this is our mission statement is to highlight unusual, underappreciated and forgotten board games. Okay. So that's kind of like, we feel like encompasses all the board games that we want to talk about on this podcast. Yeah. So let's maybe break that down a little bit more, right? Okay. So you use kind of three keywords, unusual, forgotten, underappreciated. Walk us through unusual. Definitely. Yeah. So like I said, I've been in board game hobby for since about 2012. So I've seen a lot of games. I've experienced a lot of games and I've noticed that for whatever reason, games that tend to fall outside of the mold of like your typical type of board game, like your typical worker placement game, your typical area control game, for whatever reason, tend to fall by the wayside and don't, not always, but a lot of times just don't gain traction like those games do. And when I say unusual, I mean games that have just like really unique mechanisms that you've just never seen in any other game before. For whatever reason, games that have interesting and are unusual or never seen before mechanics, sometimes they just kind of get missed or lost Mm. in the shuffle. Right. So let's talk about forgotten. Mm -hmm. We're focusing on forgotten games. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So this was one category of games that I went back and forth in my own mind as to whether we would include them in the show. Because if if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy this podcast, some of the games that we're talking about, if you've been in the hobby for a mm-hmm. while, you might think, I wouldn't consider that a hidden gem, right? Right. Because when it came out, or when it came out like 2005, it was more well-known than it mm-hmm. is now. And I'm not talking about stuff like Dominion and Ticket to Ride. Obviously, those still stand the test of time. Everybody knows what those you are. You played but. it, but maybe like it's it's just kind of old now exactly you're you're more interested in something that's newer i don't want to give anything away for future episodes but we're definitely playing games that let me just say this since i got into the hobby in 2012 i know from what i've read on board game media they're respected games but i never hear anybody talk Mm. about them like ever they're just not discussed and some of them from pretty prominent designers that just they've just gotten forgotten in the mix and so i think you know, board gaming, I think, saw a real a real push for people entering the hobby around when we got into it, around okay. 2012, 2013. And so I think since it kind of exploded at that point, there are a lot of people that just don't know about these older games, which really deserve play and are really pretty good. Yeah. 
yeah, for a lot of those folks who haven't been in the hobby as long, like this will be a good introduction to some of those some of those older games that that were really well known at the time. Yep, for sure. Yeah, and I can see that being kind of the beauty of like, it's like once a game has been invented and once it's been released and enjoyed by the community, like I think we just by virtue of how large our own gaming community is, like we've introduced a lot of people to the board game community, right? We have all these friends that that I think are in our community now who we originally had this casual conversation with that we're like, oh, do you like board games? And they're like, oh yeah, you know, I like board games. Like Settlers of Catan. And we're like, right. oh, oh friend. The but waters, wait, there's more. Yeah, the waters are way <laughs> deeper than you, than you realize. And they're like, oh, really? Tell me more. And like, oh, come on Thursday, you know? Right. And then they come in here and they see your collection. And they're like, I had no idea that there were so many board games that weren't made by, you know, Mattel or, or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know? So yeah. I think for me, one of, the, one of the biggest selling points when you introduced us to this podcast idea was that... I know I personally really enjoy finding unique or interesting things that no one else has ever heard of and introducing them to people, right? Whether it's a TV show, Hipster. a movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But so when you mentioned that as being the the driving factor behind this podcast, I was like, I'm in, sign me up, right? Because like I, 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 I started, love the search. Going, yeah, going you after immediately that. started going through Board Game Beak at like very obscure. I did. That'll like, probably get levels. discussed more in yeah. later episodes. <laughs> oh, we of the will podcast. talk more about that because it's fascinating <laughs> yeah. to me how you data mined Board Game Geek. Oh yes, and just like took over their website, and I, I don't even. You, you'll explain it. I've geeked out a bit. Yeah, yeah, I'll admit. So, so the last category that that we talk about in our in our mission statement so we've talked about unusual we've talked about forgotten the last one is underappreciated so when we think about underappreciated what are we talking about yeah so this one just pretty much catches everything else right these are games can't really explain you know why they didn't catch on and, and now a reason why they maybe didn't catch on is because they're just not good right i mean there's sure. always that chance right but we're trying to find games that are good that just for whatever reason just got missed. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're old, right? Just games that are came out in the last like two, three or four years. And for whatever reason, maybe they got released at the same time as another big game or a big influx of games and they just got totally lost in the shuffle, but they are just forgotten. Okay. Yeah, you know, with the with the growing popularity of the hobby, I mean, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I, I would imagine there's hundreds of board games yeah. being released every year hundreds. now. And it's impossible for even the many podcasts out there that review the new stuff to, to cover all of that, right? Yeah. So not every game is going to get the same degree of, of exposure. So yeah. hopefully we can bring that exposure to some of these some of these good games. Yeah, one, one of the things that I've, I've observed as we've been preparing to make this podcast and, and have been playtesting games is that here's a, here's a designer that is pretty prolific, right? They have a couple of really popular titles under their belt. And one of the sort of lines of thinking that we take is, like, well, let's go to their other games, right? Mm -hmm. If they're a good designer, if they're Stefan Feld, like maybe they made more games that aren't super duper popular and, yep. and, and widely played. Let's go to their other repertoire. And there are. And there are people that have made so many games. Mm -hmm. It's unreal how many games some of these designers have, have created and released that just, like I said, they fall into this underappreciated category. Maybe they're, they're, they're a quick game. They're a pretty simple rule set. Mm -hmm. And they just, for whatever reason, they're just kind of like, you know, down the list on this maker's accolades. And we give them a try and, mm -hmm. and feature them on the podcast, right? Because turns out they're kind of interesting at, yeah. at the very least. Yeah. 
They may not always be good, sure. but worth trying. That's an important distinction to make. We're on a we're on a journey. We're on an adventure here <laughs> to find good games. So, you know, it would be a boring podcast if we only ever featured the the best ones that we've found, right? I think right. I think that adventure and exploring some that are maybe not quite as fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. There was an adventure and a, a fun time figuring it out yeah. along the way. I this think. game might be 8,000 in BGG ratings for a reason. Yes. <laughs> but sometimes you find games that low that you're like, why is this game so low? Yep. So sometimes we might have games featured on the podcast that are, we just kind of commit to them. And yep. we say like, they're going to be in an episode. We're going to play test them. We're going to play test them at different player counts we're going to play test them with different friends in our community mm. and they're in the they're in the podcast episode and the for verdict is going to yeah <laughs> the verdict is going to be what the verdict is going to be yep. unapologetically and and it may be universally negative it may be overwhelmingly positive yeah and that's kind of the fun mm-hmm. anyway, there may be mixed reviews right and and I, I think i want to highlight this right out of the gate because like i'm kind of the person that comes to game night and i you know frequently we're playing new games and we get done with the game <laughs> and chris is like over the moon like this is a great game i love it <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> this is so unique and interesting and jason's over here going i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I balance out the equation. That's right. Very well. I've never met a game I didn't at least... Well, that's not true. I was going to say I never met a game I didn't like a little bit once, but we're going to review a couple that... Chris will never play a game once. I always give him a chance. Chris will never play a game once and immediately just just dump on a game. Hey, hey, no. I I have to play it at least more than once. (laughs) That's true. I'm I'm fair. But we already know how you feel after that first. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Jason is good for this podcast for sure because he kind of brings me back down to earth sometimes when I kind of go over the moon for a game and helps me see that maybe it's not as perfect as I thought it was. But that's good reviewing, in my opinion. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Let's maybe take a a moment to to just talk about ourselves a little bit more generally. So let's just jump to Jason. So, Jason, what do you do for a living? Where are you from? Do you have a family? Tell us about yourself. Yeah. So I'm from Pennsylvania originally. Came down to North Carolina. We're, we're North Carolina-based. I guess we didn't explain that yet. We're based out of Raleigh. And uh, yeah, I came down to go to, to, to school at UNC Chapel Hill. Ooh. Yeah. We, <laughs> we have a, a Duke alum in, in the room as well. But, you know, somehow we agree on a lot of things. On board games. On board games, at least. <laughs> yeah. So I, I came here to go to school. Met my wife here stuck around got a job i'm a computer science major i'm a geek through and through so i i work for a software company i'm a software engineer i've gone through a bunch of different roles in that industry and yeah i love all things technology and nerdiness so i do have a family i mentioned my wife jenny she is not quite as much of a board gamer as me, but she has a lot of colorful commentary on, on our gaming habits. So uh, she will yep. definitely be featured on an episode at some point. We'll see. Um, she's Maybe. a lot of fun. So <laughs> I can't um, make any guarantees. And then I have three kids. So I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a four-year-old. And uh, actually my oldest is, well, my oldest too, really, are, are getting a lot more into board games yeah. recently. So I've, I've started introducing them to, to some. My, my oldest is... I don't know if he's a glutton for punishment or, or if he's just 
that into the hobby already, but you know, I've taught him some pretty complex games already. And he's he loves it. So yeah. yeah, I mean he's begging to come in the game nights. From what I understand, <laughs> he, he is. So we'll get him out here eventually. It won't be long. He'll, he'll be a, a guest feeling. on the podcast. I'm sure. There as you well. go. So, but yeah, I love all things board gaming, technology. Do a lot of camping and hiking, woodworking, bourbon. You know, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. So yes. That's uh, that's a little bit about me. I think we'll talk more about how we got into gaming later. So we'll come back to that. Sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'll I'll take a second and talk about myself. My name is Cameron. I'm originally from Eastern North Carolina, and I've been here in Raleigh actually for like ten years now, which is uh, a little over ten years, which is kind of crazy to yeah. to, to think. Applause. Let's see. Work wise, I am also a software engineer. I've been doing that since gosh, I was fifteen years old. It's like half my life. It's pretty crazy. I am. Married to Casey, my lovely wife, and we actually got married right uh, in April, right at the beginning of the pandemic. So it's been a wild ride, but love her to death. And we are very much looking forward to our honeymoon, actually, a year later when we can actually Whenever travel. Whenever that can happen. Exactly. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, yeah. 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 Thanks, COVID. Yeah. So I am I'm definitely, I, I enjoy board games. I've been into that for, for a good while, which we'll talk about a little bit later. My other hobbies, I, I enjoy video games. I'm into woodworking. And I've, I've recently, I renovated a home that was kind of like a very all-consuming hobby for about a year of my life. I actually play a kind of a unique instrument. I was going to say, if you yeah. don't mention Illin yeah. pipes, yeah, I'm going to bring right. it up. I, uh, I play the Illin bagpipes. Are you going to play them on the show? <laughs> I'm not particularly good. <laughs> I'd but, say you're pretty good. Uh, I've been playing the saxophone since I was like 12, and, and they're, they're very similarly keyed and fingered and, and so forth. So I, I picked that up about two or three years ago. I'm... Uh, actually anticipating going to Ireland in December of this year. Yep. Uh, I, I put a, a set on order with a pipe maker out there in Northern Ireland like three years ago. <laughs> so it, it, my, my goal is to be worthy of the instrument that uh, the guy's making for me. Right, yeah. uh, so that, that kind of rounds out, I think, my, my hobbies. But yeah, most recently it's been, it's been woodworking. I'm working on building out my shop right now. So yeah, that, that kind of covers, covers me. What mm-hmm. about you, Chris? Yeah, so I'm also from North Carolina. So I was born and raised in a place called Fairview, North Carolina, which is a really small town. You've probably never heard of it. It's just east of Asheville in western North Carolina. That's where I grew up. Loved it. Love Asheville. It was an awesome place to grow up and live. Really enjoyed it. So much so that I went to college very close to there. Uh, So I went to Mars Hill College, which is a really small private liberal arts school in western North Carolina about 1,400 students, so super small. Great for me, loved it there, would do it again, got a great education, and met my wife there, Talia, who was a fashion and interior design major. We started dating in my senior year. I was pre-med, committed to going to medical school at East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and uh, we fell in love. She followed me up there. We got married shortly after, and it's been great. We have four kids um, I have to think about this, make sure I get this right on air. Four boys, 14, 12, 10, and 8. Oh um, my gosh, it's so crazy to think that I know, right? the youngest is 8 now. Yeah, when we moved to Raleigh, around the time that we met, we, we just had Bryce and Kale, oh, um, yeah, my right. oldest two, right. so it's just crazy how time flies. But yeah, boys are awesome, I love them. They're huge esports nerds. They just love yeah. video games. They all play on competitive gaming teams, something called XP League that actually started here in Raleigh, but it's national, nationwide. They play teams from California, um, 
Let's see. Hanover. That's Massachusetts, right? Pennsylvania. I think there's a Hanover in multiple states. There's probably. probably. It's the big one. <laughs> Whatever the big one is. Teams from Texas all over the country, right? So they play Fortnite. They play Overwatch. My oldest son, he plays Valorant. He's really into it. So you even did a stint of coaching, good. huh? What's that? You even did a stint of coaching, I right? did do. I coached my youngest kid's That's Overwatch team. Because I understand it at least a little bit. There you go. I did not coach my oldest son's Overwatch team because he wouldn't have listened to me anyway. And to be quite honest, they were too good for me. But uh, of course, we haven't gotten Hayes to to back away more than like ten inches from the from TV screen. As he's slaying people at <laughs> eight years right. old. That's yeah, right. yeah. No, they did really well. So Bryce's team actually finished second in the nation in their league for Overwatch. Actually, lost a team from Hanover, but it was really fun to watch. So. That's a little bit about uh, my family, what I do for a living. So like I said, I went to medical school, East Tennessee State University. I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician. <laughs> and then I spent about a week in Pete's clinic and I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I love kids, right? I have four of my own. Right. But having kids and playing with kids and working with kids in a hospital setting are two very different things. Right. And uh, pediatricians, it's an admirable field. I'm not criticizing it. It just wasn't for me. It stressed me out. Mm. It was just too much for me. I went through a period where I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, did a rotation in the laboratory of all things, and fell in love with it. So I'm actually a pathologist. I'm one of those doctors that's more behind the scenes that you're never going to see. I'm the one that renders all the diagnoses, mostly cancer diagnoses, unfortunately, but that is what I do. Looking at glass, looking at tumors, things like that. And that's what brought me here to Raleigh in 2008 because I did my residency at Duke University and then stayed on. Boo. <laughs> stayed on as part uh, faculty and also working at the VA in Durham. So the the staying on thing I think is a good way to transition to the next thing I, I think we want to talk about which is like how do we know each other? I think probably maybe some of our listeners are like okay here's three dudes like how do they know each other? They're just like drinking buddies. So let's talk about that. I actually met Chris on a mission trip yeah. through our church in 2011. We, it turns out we were going to Denver. Uh, we were going to do some cool stuff to kind of help the city, help this church plant out there, mm-hmm. just bless the city, do some, some community service type things. And I happen to know some of the people that lived out there. So I went out there by myself, not through the church mission trip proper, but you were leading the church mission yep. trip. Mm-hmm. And, Me and Talia. That's right. You and Talia were leading the church mission trip. And then I sort of just met up with you and was like, hey, I'm here and I'm going to help out with whatever I can. I didn't even know you were going to be there. That's right. I was like, who is this guy? Yeah, who's this dude that's He's just not like on my hanging team. out with us? <laughs> I don't think uh, I knew this story. So oh, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm this interested. Is, no, this is Chris and I's like origin story. Yeah, for so, sure. So, so we're like hanging out in Denver doing, you know, community service. Yeah. And then we had like, what, a day? I think I feel like we had a day that we went out to like Estes Park we or did. something yeah, like that. Yeah, we went that. to Estes Park, yeah. We were like hiking and, and whatever. And somehow, I don't know. Some type of gaming or something just came up, and it, we had this moment where, like, oh yeah, like when we get back to Raleigh, when we get back home, we'll just hang out sometime. Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember what we played. We did something. Well, I, video I mean, games or board no, games? No, it was board I games. Yeah. I think so. I, I think what we were talking about. So when I moved to Raleigh, I started getting into the D twenty system. I borrowed a board game from Bill Parrish, which was D&D Castle Ravenloft, actually. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, and, which is a board game. Right. And it's a cooperative board game, but it's a co-op board game that uses the D20 system. 
And I remember my mind was just blown by this. Okay, so at this point, I had never been exposed to Dungeons & Dragons or rolling a d20 for an attack and rolling damage or any of that. Totally foreign to me. And so I was all about it. I was obsessed with it. Yes. So I was like inviting people to my house, that little townhouse we lived in on Rhiannon, yeah. to play Castle Ravenloft. And I think that that's and what I invited played, you over to play. Yeah, we played the heck out of it. Yeah, we did. Which is funny that you mentioned that now because I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I do Audible and I, I just started listening to the, the Legend of Drist, uh, the Crystal Shard by Ari Salvatore on right. Audible. We're not sponsored by Audible, but <laughs> I do listen to the to, to books on Audible. And yeah, so, and it's funny because like, they, I sort of, you know, you, you learn about the characters and I was yeah. like, but these names sound familiar. And it was yeah. like, oh yeah, they're the characters from Castle Ravenloft. Yeah. So we, so we started playing that game together and that's led to kind of the construction of our gaming community, it, right? It is. So, so we didn't jump to board games right away and we'll talk, we'll flesh out a little bit more of our board game histories a little bit later, but I think it's worth jumping ahead a little bit here yeah. just to kind of explain our history. Cause this is where we've got super close. Yeah. You and I, yeah, 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 for sure. So after Ravenloft, cause I mean, I know this is going to surprise you too, but I kind of have an addictive personality when I get into something, I'm yeah. like all in yeah. on it. Really? Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> I know. Right. So like, I remember just like researching Dungeons and Dragons. So like nerd. <laughs> that's right. Well, we're so, just playing. This is in the background though. We're just like coming over once a week or something yeah. to play Dungeons and Dragons. Well, all the while you're researching actual D and D. Well, so we're we're not playing. We're playing Ravenloft. Sorry, yeah, Castle which Ravenloft. is based off of the D, the D twenty system. So I buy the red box. Okay, so when we started playing, and I know some of the D and D players out there are going to cringe when we they hear this, but at that time it was fourth edition, which we didn't know any better at the time. But it's a very controversial edition, and a lot of people hate it because it plays like a board game. Okay, it's very mechanical in its combat system, and so. But anyways, I was all excited about it, so I got the red box, I got all the like players' handbooks and stuff, and I just started reading, learning how to play D and D. And so at that time, we had a group of people, Brian Spanner being one, who kind of had a yep. little bit of a background yep. in D&D. So he helped a lot because we were learning from scratch. And we just started playing D&D. And man, we played D&D all the time. And some of the best memories I've ever had okay, in a gaming there setting. Was, there was this one thing, though, that I distinctly remember about the transition, right? It was like, we're over there one night. We're playing Castle Ravenlock. We, we like finished a module or whatever. And we're like wrapping up and everyone's about to go home and you go, Hey, so, uh, I don't really know how to say this, but do you guys want to try like real D and D and like the, the four of us were just like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Cause I mean, for me at least like, you know, I grew up hearing about people playing D and D and, and it being this thing of like, going to hell it's satanic you know it's, it's summoning <laughs> demons and stuff and like master magical casting you know and and then we actually started looking into it and yep. you know of course like we're you know our background is we're christian people so we're right, like, okay right. we're like very cautious about you know certain things when we started looking into it we're like this sounds like a game this is lord of the rings sounds, you're playing lord of the rings yeah, yeah it sounds like a game and um it's not demonic at all so right so we actually you know I had a lot of conversations with my dad about this. 
but anyway, so we, we kind of pushed past some of the, the reputation that D and D had and, and really started doing it. And then we start our first campaign. Yep. I think we played maybe uh, like the red what, box. The, that's right. We, we started with the red box and that led to like a larger campaign Keep on the borderlands. That's right. If you're familiar with fourth edition, it's the, the natural progression from the red box. It that's was a right. big campaign where you're like recruiting citizens. And it's to, like forgotten realm setting and everything. So. Right. And we played, I think what through maybe like level seven. Yep. And that was like our, and by that point, I think you ran the same campaign for two whole groups I and did. had like a total of like 14 or 15 Tons of players yeah. in, involved. You Rotating were running the same campaign for two different groups yep. because we had so many people that wanted to play. Super popular. And, and a lot of those people were, I guess, what, through our church yep. probably. Mm-hmm. And maybe some other friends that, that were interested. And and really that was, that's kind of set the foundation for just Regular this. gaming for yes, us, right? It did, yeah. And we won't talk too much about D and D, but I, I, I want to say that like some of my best memories ever are playing D and D. I mean, we had some epic adventures. Like, oh yes, White Plume Mountain. Oh man, sticks out in my mind. Yes, it's probably my all time favorite. Reveal Stormdren. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Such a good adventure. So I got to the point where I was rewriting classic first edition modules into fourth edition rules because I just got more comfortable right. with the system. Right. And we did that. Tomb of Horrors. Yep. And that's how we got Joe. That's right. Into D&D. Were we still playing fourth edition when we did those? Yes, we were. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then uh, fifth edition came out finally. And I think for me, at least, it was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Because it was just so much less focused on combat. Combat and sort of rulesiness and so forth. And it kind of led for this more of like a theater of the mind thing, which which led and we again we we could probably do a whole episode know, right? on, know, on just our experience with back. D&D. What do you think about but, D&D, yeah. Jason? <laughs> you lost me at I have to use voices. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I think for me, you know, I I don't know at what point exactly in this history I entered in. I think at some point you guys transitioned over to playing more, you know, Euro style Mm -hmm. standard board games. And at at that point, I think I joined in the fray and started coming over to the townhouse and you were doing stuff there. Cameron, I think you and I met earlier than that Yes, through a, a mutual acquaintance, I think a friend of ours named Garrett, but yeah. I, I was actually trying to think about when I met you, and it, it, it took me a while to figure it out. But I think, that's, I think that's what it is. Yeah. I feel like we probably crossed paths before then. I'm sure But that did. was maybe around the time that we really actually got to know each other. And by then, our community of like playing games regularly had, had been pretty well established. And I think that, that might actually... I feel like we would be remiss not to mention our like annual gathering, yeah. which I started going to it when it was like maybe like... 13, 14, 15 people, yep. which swelled to like, what is it now? 30, 40, 40 people. A lot. Yeah. Enough people that in a pandemic, we were like, yeah, we're going to delay until like <laughs> most people have been vaccinated at least. Uh, so we didn't get to do it this year, unfortunately. Sad. It's usually around New Year's. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get to do it this year. We didn't get yet. to do it yet. We, we do still intend to do it, but we're waiting until kind of like the, the greater portion of the community feels good about uh, doing that. But yeah, and so as we mentioned that, we all get together around the beginning of the year for like, what, three nights, something like that, four days, three nights, and we, everyone just brings as many games as they are, (laughs) like, can pick, you can like pack in their trunk and we Far go more to than this we actually lodge. have time to play. <laughs> yeah. And we I play like 10% of the games I bring. Oh, it's yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's stupid. But, but we're, we're there. We've got 
what, maybe four or five games going on at a time, varying uh, degrees of interest, uh, uh, nerdiness, and we'll say commitment level <laughs> some people are playing lighter games some people are playing bro throw burrito yeah some people are playing <laughs> three hour games foam burritos flying all over the room <laughs> knocking our game pieces all over the place that's right and 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 if we could say anything if we could pitch anything to the to the greater gaming community like figure out a way to get with your community for like extended periods of time like at least once a year it's an incredible amount of fun it's a great way to get to know your friends better and maybe people that you don't know in your gaming community better we really benefit a lot from it we get to know each other it becomes this thing of like at a point like oh it's like oh it's less about games it's we're actually just enjoying being friends which is one of the things that really drew me in because i'm i'm a pretty serious gamer but like I'm not maybe like the most committed board gamer. I think, like I, I, think I have D&D a small is collection. Your bitter, bigger love, probably. Yeah, I have a very small collection of games at my home. I kind of only buy games when I know that like my family members or my immediate friends uh, outside of my normal gaming group are going to play them. But yeah, get get together with your with your gaming community for like extended periods of time if you can. It's it's a huge blessing. It's a great way to spend time with your friends. Conversations, hopefully, I think if you're doing it well. We'll, we'll kind of delve into more serious matters of life and, and friendship and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's really what the beauty of, for me at least, of, of board game communities like is. It's like it's a way to be with your friends doing something fun. <clears throat> so I kind of I feel like that pretty well establishes like who, who we are, how we got to know each other. One thing we haven't talked about is, is video games. So, Chris, you, I think, probably kind of started your gaming adventure, like, with video games, Definitely right? Definitely did, yeah. So, I've always been a gamer. And I think, like most people, unless you're a little bit older, you've been in the hobby for longer, probably started on video games. Right. And I, I want to preface by saying, I still like video games. It's not like I've totally drifted away from them, but I certainly don't play them like I used to, mm-hmm. because board games have kind of taken over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's a little bit more superior of a hobby. Nothing against video games, but for me personally, I like them better. So it's funny, you know, when you're like, I have a hard time remembering things from when I was like age 10 and younger. It's just all very hazy, right? For me personally, I just mm-hmm. have a hard time remembering that. Little things here and there pop out. But what's interesting is I absolutely remember the first time I saw a video game. It is clear in my mm. mind because it had such an impression on me. So I was probably around five or six years old based on the game. So I went over to my cousin Lori's house um, pretty early in the morning. And she, in the downstairs of her house, she had a, a gaming system. And she had just gotten a Nintendo, NES. Okay, And she was playing Super Mario Brothers 2. I remember it vividly. She was fighting that little crab boss that like throws the stones at you and you have to like pick them up and throw them back. And I remember just being like in awe of it. Like I was just like, what is this? And so of course I was like wanting to play and she wouldn't let me play. So she had her friend Wesley over Classic there. Classic first video game experience. Exactly. I remember being so frustrated. I was like, I want to play. And like, they wouldn't let me play. Right. And so I remember I went home to my mom and was like, just real upset about it. Like, they wouldn't let me play. I wanted to play this. And my mom... Well, they literally never gave you a No, turn. no. Oh, I never got to play, right? I was watching them. Yeah. And just remember just being totally mind-blown if a six-year-old can be mind-blown by something. 
And my mom was an awesome mom, and she just was probably too good to me and gave me more than I deserved. But she got me a Nintendo. All right. And I started on that, and I was typical, like, late 80s, early 90s Nintendo nerd. I was all in. I had the Super Mario Brothers lunchbox, the <laughs> thermos. Oh, yeah. I had the Nintendo cereal. Just, there was a Nintendo cereal? There was a Nintendo cereal. Yeah, so the it's only interesting. Nintendo consumable. <laughs> yeah. It had, like, Mario and Zelda on the cover. I actually looked not long ago. You can actually buy this on eBay for, like, $300. Oh, I'm sure. They have them in, like, these plastic cases. And I guess you could eat the cereal <laughs> if you wanted. It can be a podcast experiment. Could yeah, it could know? be. I, I remember, but should you, right? Yeah. I, I, I remember it being quite good. Maybe but it's a after, hidden gem. like, 30 years, it's probably not good. But, yeah, I mean, I was just totally in, like, Mega Man. Castlevania. I mean, I even wrote some of them down. I'm trying to remember all the games that were like the ones that really like had Contra mm. stuff like that. I just loved it. I had the Nintendo Power magazine. I called the Nintendo Power Hotline, which was a thing <laughs> if you didn't know that. So if you got, there's uh, another memory. This, if my mom's listening to this, because she probably is. I called Nintendo Power so much one month. I didn't realize that they billed you every time you did that. <laughs> and my this is mom, back when you had a landline. Yeah, this was landline phone. We're dating and, ourselves. And so and we're, yeah, yeah. So I was getting stuck on a game. I can't remember what it is now, but I called like numerous times one month. And when I came downstairs, my mom was holding a bill. It's a one hundred dollar <laughs> phone bill, which at that time was huge. Pay it off. My dad was. I mean, he was so mad. I mean, that's just how it was. I was just yeah. video games all the time. Went all the way through N64, PlayStation, Xbox, all that stuff. And all the way up until now, like I said, I, I still consider myself to be a video gamer. I've always been competitive like that. But around med school, well, probably even a little bit after that, that's when I was first exposed to games. But when I really moved here is when it really started shifting for me. Yeah. Do you ever play video games, Jason? I think for me, I, I don't know that I would consider myself to be a gamer per se, but you know, I had the same experience with Nintendo growing up. You know, I'm kind of a Nintendo fanboy. Never have never really gotten into PlayStation or Xbox or, or any of those. We did not have a Nintendo growing up until much later, but I still remember the days of when you could go to Blockbuster and you could rent yeah, a man. Nintendo system. It came in like a foam padded bag. Oh, the yeah. whole system. The yes. whole system. Yeah. You would bring okay. the whole system home. And so we would go and we would, that was like a splurge for the weekend. Yeah. We would go and, and rent Super Mario Brothers 3. That, that, was mm-hmm. our, that was our addiction. But yeah, a lot of fond memories with the Nintendo system growing up. I had the original Game Boy. That was my main introduction into games, but yeah. have have followed the Nintendo line, you know, pretty strictly throughout my gaming hobby. But yeah, I, I'll play something occasionally these days. Yeah. You know, we, we bounce stuff off, off of each other. Yeah. yeah, we we have a Switch. The kids play it more than I do. Every once in a while, I'll get my hands on it. And I'll wipe it off, get all the peanut butter and jelly off, of it, <laughs> and, and then you know, get a couple hours to play. But that, that's kind of my background with it. I can definitely see the parallels between enjoying that and what drew me into board games. Absolutely. Right? Right. For um, sure. My history with board games was learning Settlers of Catan and Power Grid from college friends and, and then slowly transitioning over to getting deeper into the hobby. My wife always makes fun of me, but traditionally I, I never want to start at at the at the beginning of anything. I jumped to the most difficult, hardest <laughs> possible thing ever. So we went from Settlers of no. Catan, and, and I really started getting into it, and we went straight to Dominant Species. It was, like, <laughs> it, was, it was the next game in the list for us. 
after we kind of toned it down a little bit and I discovered the <laughs> the wide array of board games that are out there. Hey, you know, Jenny, let's then, play Dominant Species. Yeah. That's, that's probably how I scared her yeah, away yeah, from board yeah, gaming yeah. forever. I don't know if she ever played that one with us, but, you know, if she did, that's the reason why she hates <laughs> them now. So, yeah, that, that's me. My my background with video games is definitely it, it's similar, I think, to to Chris of like you know going to a neighbor, or going to a friend's house, and and seeing them like oh they have Super Mario Brothers, and and you know wanting the the NES, and then eventually we 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 got one I think for Christmas or something like that. But just sticking with those systems, and I I honestly really don't remember other than maybe you know the Mario titles and maybe like Kirby many NES titles on, on on that system we did the sega and really i what i remember in my in my sort of video game like history uh, is is spending a lot of time playing pokemon man when in middle school Nerd. yeah for me man <laughs> mi- middle school i i could name every all 151 back when there were only 151 pokemon and uh, yeah that we we played a lot of like of like rpgs like the final yeah, fantasy man. titles mm-hmm. one of, and speaking of hidden gems one of the, I think, the most underrated RPGs on PlayStation, Legend of Dragoon. You guys might not even remember that it. title. I, I invested so many hours in that game, and it's so good. The, the system was so different from the, the sort of just click your attack and click your spell and you know, it just goes and whatever. You had to link your attacks together by, like, by, like, clicking the button right when this like outer square met this inner square. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and if you didn't do it, then like your attack didn't do as much. That was, that made a big impact on me for some reason. It was like, Oh, like here I have to pay attention. I have to have some skill when I play this particular RPG. I really liked that. Uh, I think that maybe indicates kind of the, the beginning of my enjoyment of like games with some nuance to them yeah. that, that other games just didn't have. Sure. Right. Mega Man, oh, yeah. like all of those types of games, the like best. that. That was my the yeah. That was NES my stuff. Platformers and like really platformers are probably my favorite like video yeah. games. The most recent favorite game that I've that I've played, bar none, is Hollow Knight. I don't. This isn't a this isn't a board uh, a video game podcast. Love it. Hollow Knight is incredible. Top five all time for me. I Fantastic game. Absolutely love it. I I listened to so one of the things I I, I do when I when I'm writing code for work. I don't listen to music that has lyrics. Hollow Knight soundtrack. Amazing. So good. Chris Larkin's music is yep. incredible. And, and that's, that's actually another thing that I, I really love about things like video games, the creativity that goes into, and really board games too. And like, I think we'll talk about this. Like, this is kind of my point of emphasis, I think, in terms of my contribution to this podcast is like, I love the artwork that and and the artistry that people put into the creation of their games whether it's video games and it's the music or it's the art i mean hollow knight for that matter speaking of art like tells the story through the art it doesn't tell you the story on the nose like you you don't get it Mm. through the dialogue and the and the the written things in the game you have to kind of like study the background art yeah and for me like when i look at board games like one of the first things i'm trying to do and you know this because i you're explaining rules and and we'll we'll talk about this more when we get into the actual game reviews it's like i'm always trying to figure out the link between like okay how do I get from the concept of this game theme. to the rules of this game? Theme, theme, I want, theme. I love discovering the link between those two. And for me, to the extent to which a game does that well, I'm more inclined to give it a better review. Yep. And and Chris, you know, I'm always interrupting Chris when he's 
explaining rules, which by the way, if you're listening to this podcast still for some reason, <laughs> if you stuck with us this long, we've talked for a long time. <laughs> Chris is the best rules explainer that I've ever experienced for board games. He can teach you a game so concisely. You get it the first time you understand it completely. He's just fantastic at teaching games. And, and, and my now hope I'm is totally that... going to blow it in episode one. <laughs> my there, hope is there's that guaranteed you're... to mark it down. It's going to be a train wreck. That's right. My hope <laughs> is that you're going to get to experience that when we review some of these games. We won't be doing full instructional uh, no, videos no. or, or Brief podcast summary. things. We're going to go over rules for the games that we review, and Chris is just fantastic about that. I've always appreciated that about uh, his ability. Probably comes from him being an instructor of doctors and <laughs> yes. med school at Molding times. Molding the future doctors of America. That's right. But So I think that kind of wraps up video games. Yeah, yeah. before we transition off, though, I'm putting Jason on the spot here a little bit because I like what you did. Okay. Oh. Do you? Do you? So I know what I would say. I'll let you think about it while I answer, but Hidden Gem Video Games, I like that. Okay. Because you said Legend of Dragoon. Sure. So for me, I think two really underappreciated games are older. Okay. But if you're you're older and you enjoy old school games, Star Tropics for the Nintendo is an awesome game. Still, I played it not long ago and it holds up. And then Act Razor for the Super Nintendo, it was way ahead of its time. Okay. Which is why it probably didn't do well, but it's kind of got a cult following as well. I've never heard of that one. It's amazing. I've heard so, of Star Tropics, but I've never played it's it. It's kind of like Sim City in that you're building these little cities that get okay. attacked by like demons, almost like a natural disaster. But then you go down into the world, and it's a 2D side scroller like hacker, like with wow. platform. Okay, okay. And it's hard, okay. difficult. Yeah, I like hard video games. Yeah. This is why I like the older ones because they're brutal. Yes, and they're difficult. I, I've let the kids play Mega Man. Like a few months ago, and I just laughed with glee as they died over so hard. and over. They again. require you to memorize and yeah. time everything. Pattern recognition, memory. I mean, they were just getting slayed, and they <laughs> love games, and they're good at games, and it was awesome. Then I just had to show them how it was done. That's right, of course. But yeah, for me, those for sure. Yeah, you put me on the spot. I, I did. I didn't have time to think about this. I don't know if I have one off the top of my head. I've played so many fantastic games over the years whether it's ocarina of time or mm. classic you know, goldeneye you know the the traditional well-known great games yeah i'll have to think about it i'll, I'll bring it up in a future episode, right. sure, yeah. but, but i don't think i have one that comes to mind like right off the top of my head i, I will say game that i've played recently that i've really enjoyed was hades yeah you've been uh, all it's, about it's that got, lately. Oh, yeah. it's gotten a lot of press so it's you know definitely not hidden by any means but really enjoyed going through that one yeah still need to play that well, let's let's consider briefly our 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 last topic, which is expectations for the podcast. We've got listeners that are they're curious. They've listened to us. They know who we are now. What are our expectations for this podcast? Yeah. So, and and I'll answer briefly here because I know we are running long, but I think this is a good way to round it out. Obviously, I'd like to think that our podcast is a little bit unique in its approach of trying to like. Mine, Board Game Geek, or whatever you know, resource you use to look for games or to play games. And I would really consider this podcast to be a success if we were just able to create a community of gamers who are like-minded, who really want to try to find these kind of rare, undiscovered, hidden gems that don't get enough play, that deserve more love. And, you know, whether it be in like a BGG Guild 
or you know, on any of our social media platforms being like, hey, check this game out. This is a great game. And then all of these members just, you know, sharing games with each other sure. and with us that we might feature on podcast episodes, right? And uh, just kind of create a community that way. I have no aspirations of making money off of this or this replacing my job or anything like that. I like my job, but for me, that would be like the ultimate goal. For sure. Yeah, I think I would echo that. I think just getting exposure to these games, it's the thrill of the hunt, right? For me, I I think just going after these types of games and really seeking them out and finding that hidden gem, there's such a thrill to that. I think it would be amazing if we somehow managed to get one of these amazing games reprinted right yeah you know just from getting enough momentum behind it from folks who are right. who are interested right obviously that's a kind of pie in the sky dream it's not an expectation from that's the podcast that. but but at the same time i think you know it's something that we mutually enjoy and and hopefully folks listening to this will enjoy the adventure as well yeah for me i just in the play testing that we've done in preparing for the first several episodes i get to play all these new games that Probably I wouldn't mm, if we weren't yeah. actively trying to find games that kind of fall into these specific categories. We're playing some pretty good games. I, mean, I know I'm tipping <laughs> yeah. my hand. Foreshadowing. Here. I know that we're, we're kind of <laughs> supposed to keep our, our feelings to ourselves, but I really enjoyed the, the, yeah. the playtesting of these games that I've never seen before. One of the things that I always pick, pick on you about, Chris, is like, hey, Chris, have you ever played that game? Have you ever played that game? These are games that are on Chris's shelf. Chris is a great collector. It's an awesome collection. And we're getting an opportunity to dig into some of that and mm-hmm, find finally. out whether or not these games are as good as they seemed when Chris snagged them. Yeah. Because I know your strategy is not like you don't just go buy the retail no. version of the game. You're picking up games opportunity. You're going to conventions. You're yeah. going to stores. And you're just kind of picking them up because they seem fine. And you haven't even read the rules or studied them very much. Or right? I'd at least heard that they were fine. So because I do consume a lot of board game media, most of these games, the reason I knew about them or purchased them, I have at least heard about it. At some point somewhere, but most of these games, for them really to be podcast worthy, it was usually just like a a brief like mention. I'll just go ahead and say, I'll probably reference the Dice Tower a lot on here. So that's a board game podcast, which is a great one. It's probably considered to be the gold standard. And I listen to them daily and they've done top 10 lists over the years. And if they make mention of a game that's good, I'll write it down. I'll make a note of it. And so I have like a list of games that I just know about from listening to them. And so I just remember it. I'm like, I remember he talked about that game like years ago. Mm -hmm. And if I see it, I get it. And so I I have a horrible shelf of shame. (laughs) It's bad. Talia, I'm sorry, but if anybody ever asked me what percentage of these games I played, I'm probably lying by at least 20% just because of the shame that I feel. (laughs) If I were to answer honestly, it's bad. Okay. I have kind of an addictive personality in that way, but I kind of feel like we have like a library now that we just all enjoy and share, which to me, that's happier. I would rather do that than have like a boat or like an RV or something like that's what I enjoy. But the real like satisfaction, though, that comes from that is when we pull one of these out and we play test it, we play it like multiple times and we still think it's a good game. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Which is the goal, right? Yeah, exactly. Because and, It doesn't and, and have this, to be well-known to be fun. I think this is probably my favorite expectation of this podcast, which is like, I love hanging out with you guys, 
and because we're like doing a podcast, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're gonna say. Like we get to hang out even more. Yeah. Like we have a reason to be like, hey, well, we gotta go play test. You know, <laughs> that's like, right. It's for the podcast, babe. You know, <laughs> and she's like, all right, <laughs> see you later. So, like, <laughs> I was gonna say that if you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have a reason now. And, and, it's and, for the podcast, and I think <laughs> that's right. We have to mention too. How amazing are our wives? Oh my gosh. They yeah. have been, at least to my knowledge, so supportive yes. of yeah, this absolutely. endeavor. All the research, all the planning, all the game nights. Right? Thank you. Thanks, ladies, Talia. I'll get made so fun much. of plenty, but we the supportiveness is definitely. We absolutely love you. We wouldn't be doing this no if way. You, we didn't have your support. They're incredibly understanding of the amount of time they're willing to let us, even before the podcast. That's right. But even more so now, letting us do this, for sure. And it's awesome to have the support. I have to say, Talia is, like, all in on this. She listens to these, like, influencers and stuff on yeah. social media. She loves it. She thinks it's awesome. So she thinks that we're going to be board game influencers. Now. <laughs> so she's, like, all into Maybe. it. Maybe. We'll see. She's on board. Well, thank you guys for listening to us. We really appreciate you checking out this episode that's all about us. We hope that you'll continue to check out episodes with our game reviews. If you want to follow us on our social media platforms, uh, be sure to do that. We would really appreciate it if you'd uh, give us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Just give us a five-star review. That would just really help us out, really help us to get the word out about the podcast and get us uh, more listeners. That would just be super awesome of you. Hope you guys will check us out next time. I'm your host, Cameron. This is Chris. I'm Jason. Thank you guys for listening. This episode of Hidden Gems, number zero, was recorded in Raleigh, North Carolina on January 31, 2021. If you like what you heard today, please consider giving episode one a listen as we talk about a hand-picked trio of unusual and underappreciated board games in our pilot episode. Hidden Gems is produced and edited by Chris Alley, Cameron Lockie, and Jason Yonchliff. Our show's logo was illustrated by designer and artist Caitlin Nieto. Check out her work on Instagram at It's Caitlin Nieto. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to join the discussion on our many social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook at Hidden Gems Board Game Podcast, Instagram at hiddengems.podcast, and Twitter at Hidden Gems Board. Once again, thank you for joining us on Hidden Gems. And until next time, fellow gem seekers, enjoy your games and enjoy your search. 